reluctantly crouched at the starting line engines pumping and thumping in time the green light flashes the flags go up churning and burning they yearn for the cup they deftly maneuver and muscle for rank fuel burning fast on an empty tank reckless and wild they pour through the turns their prowess is potent and secretly stern as they speed through the finish the flags go down the fans get up and they get out of town the arena is empty except for one man still driving and striving as fast as he can the sun has gone down and the moon has come up and long ago somebody left with the cup but he's driving and striving and hugging the turns and thinking of someone for Welcome to Talkin' Giants, presented by John Boy Media. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Paddock. And do, should we do the whole episode in a radio voice? Like, wow, the Giants coming off a big Sunday victory against the Washington football team. We're here to take your calls at 338-921-5418. What's going on, Justin? How you doing? You should call 732-443-0862. That's the number you should call, because that's our voicemail number, and this is a voicemail episode. The Talking Giants Hotline! Yeah. Yeah. There, so, actually, he, here's a funny story. When I have the Google Voice tab opened on my phone, because that's what we use. That's what we use that number for. It's not an actual cell phone. It's not, you can't, I mean, you can text it, but no. Yeah, someone texted it the wrong number, and I, I, I saw it, like, two days later. So I tried to get them to respond, and I said, sorry, just saw this, and they didn't respond. Yeah, so um, you can do things, but chances are we're not going to respond. So when I have the tab open and people call to, I think, when people call to leave a voicemail, it rings. And I could answer it if I want, but I don't because I'm scared. Now people are going to start calling us during the mailbag episode. That's Thanks, Justin. Oh, crap. Thanks a whole thanks a whole lot. Crap. Um All right, so this is Talking Giants. Uh, and this episode was brought to you by one new member, Robert Browner. It sounds like like a scene from Family Guy. I think it was like Robert Dozier. Robert Browner. Robert Brown knows Browner. Bunch of different radio voices you're doing today. Robert Browner. Who is this clown? I'm gonna start calling all our Patreons clowns. Well, here's my question. We said the name before the show in our preparation because it's like, oh, who are new Patreon members? We're going to say them. We're going to say that they sponsor the show. Robert Browner is, I'm not going to say he himself is subscribed twice, but somebody with the same name is subscribed twice under two different emails. Robert Browner. Robert Browner is using one email. Another Robert Browner is using another email. Is this the same person? He needs to tell us. Tell us, yeah, Robert please, Browner. Please message us on patreon.com backslash talking giants for $2 a month. You can get access to seeing us record the shows as we record them. Talk about the giants as we actually talk about them live. You get access to content that's released a little early. I got started on talking analytics this week. I have an idea what it's going to be about. We could talk about that if we want. And uh, shirts. You get mon- access to monthly shirt raffles. Patreon.com backslash Talking Giants. $2 a month. It's an awesome way to support us. Also, Bobby, let's just get this out of the way because we've already screwed around a lot. We need more five-star ratings on the Apple Podcast app. I know we've been plugging to Patreon and people have been doing an awesome job and we can't thank you enough for subscribing to the Patreon. But 
we do need more five-star ratings on the Apple Podcast app. Giants are winning. We're doing fun things. We're going to go on a little bit of, bit of a winning streak. Let's get those five-star ratings up. Let's get it to 300. We're almost there. Yeah, seriously, please do it. It takes no it takes no time. We don't ask for it at all. Just do it. And if you're in the Patreon, you can make me laugh like Chris Mickle did because they're talking about like how can we beat the Eagles. And he said, after we break Wentz's ankle, we will be mm. fine. And I held in a lot of broken ankle jokes this week. I was trying to be classy. But there, it's kind of a little bit funny that we break every QB's ankles. There was a, a couple-year stretch, and this is going back to mid-2000s, early 2010s. This may have to be a Bleeding Blue Giants history episode that Snacks and I do. But we were taking out NFC East quarterbacks. We uh, took out Drew Bledsoe. Either he was benched or he was hurt, which actually led Tony Romo to come in for his first pseudo start. It wasn't his first official start, but he came in in the middle of the game and Parcells put him in the game on Sunday Night Football. I think he was benched. I think he was benched. My brain thinks he was hurt, and for this narrative, we're going to say that he's hurt. Tony Romo. I'm having a great hair show. Broke his collarbone. Michael Boldy brought him to the ground, and I think that was another Sunday night game. Um, we take out Dak, and now we're taking out Washington quarterbacks. We we actually took out Dwayne Haskins last year. No. Yeah, did we take we took out a Washington quarterback? Yeah, but he wasn't that hurt. He was just being weak. He was being weak. It sucks that we can't trash Haskins anymore. Um, I mean, that was so much fun to do. Um, all right, so we're going to get the mailbag in a second. That being said, a quick little news and notes. The Giants did cut. Or, or wave Corey Ballantyne, um, activated Will Hernandez, and then Austin Pettis. Um, you know, they're back on the roster. Will Hernandez, I, ex- I expect to start. But quick on Ballantyne. I know Ballantyne has sucked every time he's played. Like, you know, playing as a nickel corner out of position last year. Playing the cornerback too. Not out of position, but I just feel like it was a little too early. And, and we knew that coming in. Like, we knew Corey Ballantyne wasn't going to be good. Um, I think it was a little worse than kind of we expected. That being said, the six-round pick out of Washburn, and I think he's going to end up back on the practice squad, Justin, I see talent there. Like, I haven't totally given up on Ballantyne as an NFL player. I'm not saying he's going to be a starting corner in the NFL for five to ten years, but I do think there's, like, Corey Ballantyne has the talent to be on the Giants roster going forward. So, he's someone I really do hope they keep around on the practice squad. Yeah, I didn't have very high hope from hopes for him. You know, the talent is there, the straight straight line speed. That's what you get enthusiastic about. The dude's athletic, and you were hoping some things followed through. Yeah, but every time we did see him, it was bad. It was costing the team, whether you were trying to put him at slot corner, whether we had him starting the season out in the outside. He was even competing. He wasn't even he didn't even have that cornerback number two job to fully start the season. He was competing with other guys there. So Hopefully he does make it to the practice squad. Hopefully he can develop a little bit. It's tough. And I, I think maybe if he didn't have the 2019 where he was absolutely thrown into the fire, where especially if you're talking about cornerbacks, very tough position to develop. It's tough to really um build yourself up as a player while you're losing like that, while you're losing and getting yeah. burned. It's tough. So uh, rooting for you, Corey Ballantyne, but also just not very surprised. Yeah, yeah. This isn't like a... This isn't like a Ryan Conley, like, we gave up on talent like this. And also, he he probably will end up being on the practice squad. So, um, All right, let's uh, take it away, Steve. Mail time. Mail time. The mail's here. Come on. Bye, guys. Here's the mail. It's- 
it never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. Thanks, Steve from Blues Clues. Justin, let's get into the mail. Not a lot of voicemails today, but we have a lot of mailback questions. First one is going to be coming from Isaac. Mor- well, no, we got a. Come on, dude. We had a voicemail. I told you no, this. No, we have Isaac and then another and then second one. And then we have a voicemail. That was our that was no, our we're order. starting off with a voicemail. Oh. I didn't, you didn't. You weren't listening. Let me play that one yeah, more time. Sure. Four second voicemail. Just saying. Victory. Oh, I love that. I love it. I love it. I love that. Now that I screwed that up. But that was great. That deserved its own moment. That's a bad guy move. I had this. We had to start at the way, start out the episode. That's a that's a that's a bad that's a bad guy move. Um, first question after victory, Isaac Moretta, friend of the pod. How do you guys feel about Wayne Goldman the past couple weeks? Is it more the old line play, or might he actually be turning a corner? Bobby, I will send it to you first since I actually want to look up some numbers on this. Okay, so a couple things with the run game. One, Washington let us run where they were playing. Two safeties high, you know, less guys in the box. They weren't stacking the box like we did get earlier in the season. And because of Daniel Jones is, you know, holding the ball on these read options and taking some of these, teams have been respecting that more, which, you know, the first couple weeks we saw like Bud Dupree screaming down the backside and wrecking plays where this, now that Jones is holding some of these, he, like, they're, it's opening up. Plus the offensive line has been like blocking better. Cam Fleming really does struggle in the run block. I, I think it's time to play Parrot, but we'll save that for later in the show. That being said, Goldman, he's making tackles. Like, he's hitting the hole. He's, he's like, bouncing stuff out. Like, I know I'm not a Goldmanite yet because Alfred Morris did have such a good game and had some big plays. Like, you know, two 20-yard runs I think he had. Um, but I will say I am I am impressed with Wayne Goldman. I don't know if it's, like, him hitting a new stride or, or figuring stuff out, but – in this role, he has been good. The issue, Justin, is I felt like I always felt like he wasn't good as the backup to Saquon because I feel like Gallman needs, you know, Gallman needs more than a couple carries a game. And I, I was like, you know, that's what everyone said. I was like, well, he's never going to get that with Saquon. But in this role with Saquon gone, yeah, I feel like he's fine. Like he's kind of finding himself a nice little role. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Um, I'm looking on some football outsiders. Data and Giants are still last in adjusted line yards, which is disappointing. Um, but I mean, the they had such a putrid, putrid start to the season that that still doesn't surprise me that they're last. They're not last by a huge margin, but Alfred Morris and Wayne Gallman, in terms of their yards above average, think about WAR, um, WAR in baseball, which is uh, wins above average, right? It's basically measuring how is a player's performance stacking up compared to the average player the average player in the National Football League and Wayne Gallman out of 222 yards that he has on the year hopefully this updated to week to week nine after week nine slate of games 222 yards on the year 55 yards above average so based off of their calculations of running backs and yards above average 55 and Alfred Morris out of 117 out of excuse me out of 95 yards that he has 21 yards above average so that's good that's really, really good. And what was Isaac's basic question? Is it more the O-line play, or might he actually be turning a, co- a corner in terms of Gallman? I think he is turning a corner, but it's also no surprise that he is running better when the offensive line is getting more consistent because that is how 
the running game works in the NFL. Just talk to Saquon Barkley. A guy can a guy can have all the talent in the world, but he can honestly look like one of the worst running backs in the NFL. Even though he's not, he can look like one of the worst in the NFL with terrible offensive line play. And it's a shame. It's a shame how little value that position can bring. I love how you finish off with that, so we don't turn into a different conversation. Um, teams are not like like I said, begin the season they were stacking the box and they were screaming down on the backside, and it was just like. And and the O line wasn't like playing up to no. par, so it's been a combination of kind of everything. Like Gallman has been doing pretty good. The O line has been blocking the run pretty damn good. Nick Gates moves guys. Um, Lemieux for his struggles, he's been good in the run game. Thomas is a mauler in the run game. Zeitler's you know Zeitler's going to make the right decision. He's not really like an earth mover, but he's always going to make like make the right play. Parrot is so much better than Fleming in the run game. Like Fleming screwed up like three four run plays last week. Um, so I think it's a, a combination of it's it's really just a combination of everything. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I did find it to be ironic, and I said this on Monday's pod, but I guess we can even bring it up again. I found it to be ironic that Goldman was getting a lot of the in between tackle runs, and Alfred Morris, a lot of his runs were actually out of the shotgun. Number one, they were out of the shotgun, and they were kind of going off tackle off tackle little stretch plays and outside the outside the defensive end now i had i had the joke that oh well alfred morris is so slow that it's actually a good thing to give him those stretch plays because he doesn't need to slow his roll to wait for a play to develop and then stick his foot in the ground and go north and south so <laughs> it wasn't like i'm an alfred it wasn't like he was being patient no alfred morris is just that slow when he works his way across the line of scrimmage on those stretch plays um I think the Giants are also just being a little bit more smart about when they run the ball, too. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm seeing that they're running the ball when they cross the plus side of the 50-yard line, too. I wish I had maybe some numbers to back it up. But I think using the pass game on first down, second and long, to to get you some yards and to move the chains a couple times, and then you incorporate the run game, because in my opinion, the pass sets up the run, not the other way around. They're being a lot smarter. And even running with Alfred Morris out of the shotgun, that's a very, very smart thing because defenses are less likely to stack the box when you're running out of the shotgun versus when you're running under center. And I know people say they never run on second and 10, but there was two times this past week where what the defense gave them is like, we kind of have to run the ball against us. And they did. And they got like six yards on one and then eight on the other. So, all right, next Next question. question. Second question is coming from our friend Jeff Boyd at the Boyd Wonder. Boyd! With the season halfway over, what players do you want to see more of? I know McKinney should be back soon, but what other rookie slash new players do you need to see? So, Matt Parrott is the easy one. So I'm not going to say it like Matt. Parrott, like every everyone would say Matt Parrott. I will say, since Zimenez isn't back yet, Carter Coughlin. Carter Coughlin. He's kind of like like a just like a, a pass rusher. He kind of reminds me of Marcus Golden a little bit. Obviously not as good, but you remind like there's times where he's bull rushing. Like he has pass rush moves. He's not just a one trick pony. So Carter Coughlin, because like Kyler Fackrell is not that like we don't have like a hey this guy's a pass rusher. So with Zimmon is out, I I would go Carter Coughlin. I think he's just you know he's like a true blue pass rusher. And honestly, who I mean who else is who else is on this team that it's like we need to play him more? You know. Hmm. It's a good question. Besides Matt Parrott, no. Um, Caden Smith. You could say we need to play Caden Smith a little bit more. Evan Ingram's snap count. That was the other one I was Evan thinking. Evan Ingram's snap count actually went down. It's down to low 80s, mid 80s. 
um, the Vine Toy Lolo snap share went up, and that's I don't think that's a coincidence to see that Evan Ingram snap count snap share is going down, the Vine Toy Lolo is going up, and the run game is getting better. Don't think that's a coincidence. Can we also talk about? I know we will get to Jeff's question, but we were talking about the running game, and Bobby. I talked about this, I think I talked about this all the way back to Caden Smith's season in review episode that we did like in February, March, or January, February. Caden Smith's strength in the run game is when he is, I don't, I'm calling it pulling across the line of scrimmage, but I don't know if that's exactly the right term. When he's pulling and going across the line of scrimmage on a run play, finding a linebacker, finding the free edge rusher, finding someone to put a lead blocker. Yeah, he's, he is awesome as a lead blocker. Like, it, it is it is game-changing when he is doing that, and he is so awesome at it. And I, I always found that it was so tough to be kind of that lead blocker because you need to be so smart and so instinctual of where to go, how to not just take up space so the running back is just running right in back of you, you know, how how to exactly position yourself where you're being the most effective for the run game. So that is such, such a difference maker in this run game. I think it has pretty much been the reason why we have really progressed. Yeah, he's been used as like a fullback, um, that lead blocker, where it's like, okay, you're the lead blocker, pick a shoulder and block, and then the running back will go on the opposite side of you. So yeah. Caden Smith actually was my guy after Carter Coughlin, yeah. so Caden Smith is a is a is a good answer. I was going to say O'Shane because I I think yeah, but he's he's not. Playing. I, I know he's not playing, but that's what. I'm, but who do we want to see more of? Because Jeff mentioned McKinney in his answer that Jeff would like to see McKinney when he comes back. But you know we were we were talking about O'Shane Zimenez like you know he he's going to be the dude. And right now, Lorenzo, you know, right now, Lorenzo Carter was that dude. And we don't have that dude since Lorenzo Carter's hurt. So I'm really looking yeah. forward to seeing what he can do when he comes back and just how they manage these snap shares. Because who, who's to say that O'Shane Zimenez comes back and he's getting 70 percent, 80, 80, 90 percent of the snaps? That's that is Joe Judge may yeah, not. We have that a question way. about that later. Yeah. All right. Next mailbag or voicemail. Hey guys, it's uh, Victor from Reading, PA. Um, I'm calling from my bedroom upstairs. And I just want to say, huge fan of the podcast. Listen to it at work. I'm a financial advisor. And it's a little boring sometimes, so I love the podcast. And uh, my question for you guys is who do you guys want the Giants to draft? Obviously, we don't know who or where our pick's going to be, but if once we do, who would you think? I'm a favorite for Michael Parsons playing that linebacker two next to the fantastic Blake Martinez. Let me know what you guys think. See ya. Okay, so he asked who you would draft. We'll leave quarterback out of it for now, um, unless you want to say quarterback. No. I, I'm still on the Jamar Chase train. I really am. Like I think he's a difference-making wide receiver for whoever the quarterback is, who like, for any quarterback ever in the NFL. So I'm still on the Jamar Chase, although – that defensive end edge out of Michigan, Quiddy Payne yeah. or whatever his name is, he um he uh popped up when I was watching them a couple weeks ago when they were playing Minnesota. He looked pretty good, and I have seen him at the top of some mocks. So, but I, I still I just still go Jamar Chase at this moment, and we also haven't done barely any homework. Like I did a little homework for this mock draft video I did last week, but we just haven't really done any homework. 
No, I have done zero homework, and frankly, uh, I am more of a I, I'm more of an, in a mindset right now of the Giants winning the division than I am of getting the the number two pick in the draft. So, um, there I would love to be in a position, I, and I honestly would. I honestly would. You know, if if this makes all the people that want Gettleman fired, which I will be honest, I do want Gettleman fired, but if this makes all the people that really want Gettleman fired mad, I'm uh, I'm sorry. But I want the Giants to win football games. I want them to win most of the games that they have for the remainder of the second half of the season. Even if they don't win the division, even though it is winnable, especially if we win this Sunday, we're talk we're we're having a totally different conversation. But I want the Giants to win. They the odds are they're still going to get a top ten pick, even if they don't win their division. And then we're we may not be in a position to get the top fledged, top tier talent like you know all like a Parsons may go in the top five quarter some quarterbacks may go in the top five Jamar Chase may be gone already um right so I really liked the Alabama wide receiver that we talked about I know he's out for the year and I can't remember his name I you probably remember his name this is bad radio if we can't remember um not Waddle Devontae Smith is it, um, it Jalen Waddle yeah Waddle Jalen Waddle yeah so I love him uh he was the pure number one guy in Alabama to start the year, even though they had another wide receiver that was the number three on the depth chart for the previous year. So he's a big time playmaker. Loved him uh, as another as another guy. But I also prefer edge over wide receiver right now. Yeah, it just it's like if it's just one of those. Like if we could get a, if if Russo, I think is real deal. I probably would go Russo. Yeah. I just have some questions there, and like I said, that's why we we wait till after the season to really form our opinions on that. Um. Next question, Next Justin. Next question is going to be from Mets Media at Mets Fan Product 2. Steve Cohen's kind of cool. Okay. I, I wanted to save this for Danny to come on the show Friday. And I almost tweeted this out, but I was like, you know what? Why cause a ruckus? I'm rooting for Steve I, Cohen I to be too. such a failure. I am too. I oh, want to him be a to failure? be a total failure. Oh, no! A total failure. I want all this joy for Mets fans to be crashed down. I want them to be losers for the rest of their lives. I know this is pissing Mets fans off. This pisses people off so bad that it makes you unfollow me. I don't care. I want Steve Cohen to be a total loser. Wow. I thought... Because he's being hyped up as like he's... Like he hasn't done anything besides just pay for the team. It's being hype. Well, I guess he did fire everybody. He did. Um, gosh, I thought you were going to be like, I know this is going to make a lot of my, you know, our mostly Yankee fan base mad because you know John Boy Media talking Yanks, blah 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 blah. I thought you were going to say, I'm really hoping for the Mets to be successful, and I was going to be like, Yes, me too. No, no you just went the other I way. I love seeing them lose. Oh man. Oh, big brother. I don't care. I love seeing them lose. I have Mets fans in my family, so it's like. My ha- my family's like half Yankees. Not my immediate family is like my brothers and my. It's actually the one team that my whole family agrees on with the Yankees. But like my uncles and my uncles, the ones my uncles that were my dad and my other like the cool uncles kind of picked on, are Mets fans. So I mean, it's just so much fun trashing them. Wow, what a turn! I'm rooting for him. So good bounce we have on the show. What do the Giants have to do in the next seven games for Mara to bring back Gettleman? Also, a completely different question, but should the Giants claim Tack McKinley from waivers? I'll let you tackle the second part of the question first. McKinley? I didn't look at him a ton. Yeah, why not? I, I With those things, I'm, I'm not going to do a ton of research unless we get him. But yeah, with McKinley, um, I'm at a why not phase. We're third on the priority list, I think. So, 
Yeah, take. I mean, if it doesn't work out, you move yeah. on. Like, there's no risk to it, no. really. Uh, Sheard and um, Trent Harris haven't, haven't haven't been playing too bad. So that's also. I just haven't noticed them. Right, right. Uh, Trent Harris. Which, Trent Harris made some good plays against Tampa. That's when you. That's when. That's when I noticed them. But um, first part of the question: What do the Giants have to do in the next seven games for Mara to bring back Gettleman? Jones would have to light it up, not just be like good. Jones would have to light it up, and they'd have to win the majority of the games. I, um, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, like I said, I'm really not a Gettleman hater like a lot of people. Um, I was fine with him bringing back. I've explained this a million times, but I was like, either keep both Gettleman and Shermer, or fire both. Um, I think he's a pretty good evaluator of talent. Um. Thomas is seeming to come around. Parrot has looked good. I mean, Lemieux for a fifth rounder looks he looks pretty good. We'll see. What, like, and his, this last offseason was you know was his best. You know, like Martinez, Bradbury bringing in like those guys have been awesome. Um, so it's kind of I do see the point of view. It's like, well, if we brought him back and all these most recent moves were really good, why wouldn't you give him the chance? And I actually am starting to see that point of view, but I do think it's kind of like. We're two and a seven for the third year in a row under him. So I do, I know you don't judge things just basically off pure wins and losses, but it would have to be it have to be Jones lighting it up and us winning games is is basically what I'm saying. Yeah, it took him three years to put together a solid off season of moves. That's that's the only thing. You know, you could look at some players here and there and some draft picks that he made here and there. Like, oh yeah, this is a fine player. This is a fine player here, fine player there. But this is the first off season where he actually turned around the team. And players are like, oh, Martinez is actually making a difference. Bradbury is like substantially making a difference. Darning Holmes being on the field makes a huge difference on this football team. Um, Andrew Thomas has made a difference the last couple games. So this is the first offseason where you're really seeing it come to fruition. And it's a shame that it took three years. If he was in his second year and he's doing this, I'm all on board. But it, it's it's the fact that it took three years. So I think we would have to win a playoff game. Yeah. I I had never been as low as after the San Francisco game. And it was like kind of like just totally like I'm over. I'm done. That Chicago game. And, I, and I, I don't want to react to like we've only we've only beat one team when I think about it this year, you know. Um. So, like I said, it's kind of one of those things you want to judge more at the end of the year, and I don't want to change my opinion mid-season. But I do, I do see the point of view of people of, like, if we brought him back and all the moves that he made after he brought back were good, then why why would you move on? So, I do see that point of view. Um, but a lot of people were totally against yeah. bringing him back, I also, and I think that's their point I also view. come from the regular season ticket holder perspective. Why would you bring this guy back for another year and give him another offseason? You give him however more millions of dollars in cap space plus another top 10 draft picks. Draft pick has Dave Gettleman had a top 10 draft pick every single year that he's been a gen- giant general manager? Yeah. Yes. And there you go. And he hasn't even traded one away. So it's not even like it's it's the issue of, oh, we're just waiting for some picks to work out. No, we've actually gave away draft capital. <laughs> so I come from it from the regular season ticket ticket standpoint of would I want to spend thousands and thousands of more dollars 
with this guy at the helm of this football team? And that answer is no, just because he gave us one good offseason of moves, despite not winning games. So we we will see. Uh, this is this is where I'm at. We will talk about it pretty much after this after this weekend. I I am in full on. Let's win the East. Let's beat the Eagles. Let's go on a let's go on a little mini winning streak before we play um, Seattle. <laughs> you know, let's let's just let's feel good about the team for now, and then we'll we'll continue to evaluate as time goes on. So, but that's a good yeah, question. Yeah, I, I I think it, if Jones lights it up in the second half of the season and. I think that changes. I think that would be the biggest thing to, that I think that was the only thing that would change yeah. change where they're at. Like if if they had made the decision that they're going to move on after the season, if that's the only thing I I could see changing it is if Daniel Jones just lights it up on the in these last seven games. Right. All right. Next question is going to come from Bleeding Blue Giants History Podcast at Bleeding Double Underscore Blue. I Losers. I wonder who asked this question. I have no clue. Where are you guys currently at in terms of the Leonard Williams versus Dalvin Tomlinson debate? Which one do you extend? Do you find a way to extend both? All right. Since you asked this question, I'll let you go I didn't for ask it. this question. I have no idea who asked this question. All right. Go okay. for it, Bleeding Blue. All right. Well, um, it's not a surprise. I'm I'm, at, I'm on the Leonard Williams trade. Tr- train. Not trade. Ooh, too soon. I'm on the Leonard Williams train. Five sacks. He's third in the National Football League amongst interior defensive linemen in sacks. That's very, very good. He is one of the most double-teamed interior defensive linemen in the National Football League, but he also has an above-average win rate. And also, he is an above-average run defender as well, run stopper. He is not as good as Dalvin Tomlinson. And so now I'll get to Dalvin Tomlinson. Dalvin Tomlinson... Below average pass rusher, very above average borderline elite run defender. It's honestly just a matter of which do you prefer and which do you prioritize. Are you going to prioritize the guy that's going to get to the quarterback? And guess what, Bobby? We can't. We can no longer say that Leonard Williams is Mister Almost and that you know he almost gets to the quarterback, but he still creates Sacks pressure. Are random. Sack, no, sack, uh, hey, I'm spinning it from my narrative. I'm spinning it from my point of view. Sacks are not random. They are predicted on how much pressure you put on the quarterback. And I will pull up Leonard Williams' pro football reference page. But honestly, it's just a preference of what do you put more of a priority on? Do you put more of a priority on pass rush or do you put more of a priority on stopping the run? And if you put the priority on the pass rush in a passing league, which I hope that most people would, then Leonard Williams needs to be your guy. And no matter how much it takes to extend him, you need to extend him. Because he is on pace to be a 10-sack guy. And you don't just let a 10-sack guy walk away from your football team. He's on pace for nine sacks. I, I, again, spinning it for the narrative here. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm just giving you a hard time. If the difference of contracts is $5 million, I'm going Dalvin. But I also I honestly think there's a good chance they bring back both. But if the difference is $5 million, I'm going Dalvin. I, I think it's... I'll, I'll just keep it as simple as that. I need to pull up their... Advanced QB numbers, so I want to. I w- Dalvin is like the probably the leader in the league of batted passes this year. How about very that? Val- it? It is valuable. It is valuable. He's been he's been doing a good job. When you don't get home, you're supposed to put your hands up. Dalvin has six QB hits this year, one and a half sacks. Um, the pressures for Dalvin are um, seven pressures. Leonard Williams has fifteen pressures, so that's double more than double. Um, five sacks, as I said. Dalvin has one and a half. And seven QB hits versus five. 
So he is basically doubling the production of Dalvin Tomlinson when it comes to the pass rushing pass rushing department. Yeah, yeah. Lane Williams has been really good this year. Um, credit for me for calling that. All right. Um, All right, next one. Next question. Next one. We have Freddie Goodall. There you are. Freddie Goodall at Freddie Goodall. Who would you rather see get the majority of snaps between Pettis, Mack, and Tate? I would... I kind of want to see what Pettis is. I know Austin Mack just had a good game, but Pettis is the most, like, now that Golden Tate is, you know, 30 years old, Pettis has the most pure talent out of all yep. those guys. That doesn't mean it turns into anything, but I do want to see what Pettis is. Like, we, we didn't bring him in here for nothing. So, I will say Pettis, and then if it doesn't work out, you just fall back on Austin Mack on the outside, and I don't know what they're going to do, though. Because I, I just feel like you got to kind of keep Shep in the slot. I don't, like... They have a mess on their hands with Golden Tate. Yeah. Yeah. They've had a mess on their hands, I think, since last year. Um, cause they chose because they chose to sign two slot players. But I would keep Mac. I would keep the continuity. The Giants had their most explosive pass play of the entire season last week. And granted, they didn't have three explosive plays. They just had one, and Daniel Jones only had three passing attempts that went for over ten air yards <laughs> last week. Um, but I simply think that this offense is at its best when you have Awesome Mack, who can be a big play potential, Darius Slayton, who is a big play potential, Sterling Shepard in the slot, Evan Ingram doing whatever he's doing. Uh, I, I think that is your offense at its best. Uh, I don't think Golden Tate does enough to separate himself in terms of his individual play to warrant getting most of the snaps anymore. I, I, I don't think he does. So uh, I would keep it the same way against Philadelphia. Um, you can still throw out some interesting new packages now that Mac is the quote-unquote the full-time outside starting wide receiver, some things that you didn't do last week against Washington, some things that you didn't do against Philadelphia since Tate was in. So, element of surprise, I wouldn't experiment with Pettis this week. This is too important of a game. I can give him a few shots. Yeah. That, long, that long pass, though, was that was four verts. Good things happen when you send guys down the field. I'll just say that. It was four verts. They ran cover three. That means you got one less guy to cover. 50 yards. How about freaking that? How about that? You get Jamar Chase in that role? That's a touchdown. Um. So, yeah. I, I'll, I'll just say Pettis for the final. There you go. But I lean. My brain says Tate. I love when you say my brain because I say it all the time. My brain. My brain, my heart, my soul. All three different things of how I talk about football. Paul Nonez. At Paul Nonez. Nonez. What do you have to say about the Parrot versus Thomas Thomas at left tackle debate? I think it's pretty silly, and Thomas should be the left tackle the rest of the year. But a lot of fans disagree. Well, for the rest of the year, absolutely. We need to see what Parrot... Like, Parrot should play. I, I, I'll turn that question to this. Parrot, it's time to play him. He's better in the run game than Fleming. Um, the worries that I had in the past game for him haven't... Like, you know, he hasn't been playing full games. But he's been doing a good job of like slowing that kind of stuff down on the outside. So Parrot should play. But I will say it, it has been very refreshing to see Thomas these last two games. If he can build on that, you know, like the Eagles game was very bad. Like it was on, on display for everyone to see on Thursday Night Football. If he can have, I mean, he had gave up two sacks in that game. Two other, you know, could have been sacks. If he can bounce back against this Eagles team, 
then I just feel like what he does the rest of the season, honestly, like, you know, bad play here and there, it won't bother me a ton. Because, I mean, JPP, he sh- he shut him down. Chase Young, I actually think the Tampa game was better. But he shut down Chase Young. Chase Young had one pressure the entire game. Like, and that that's why I love them. It's like, because Chase Young's a raw, like, he's an awesome prospect, but he's raw. And, like, he just couldn't do anything against Thomas. He couldn't. So, I'm so happy to see what he's like. What he is, I think he is the franchise left tackle going forward. Um, so and he and he mauls people in the, in the in the run game. But I feel like if paired is good, that's such a good issue to have. Like which which side do we play? Which? Yeah, yeah. Um, it was nice to see. Pear is just so strong and raw too. It, like he pancakes people. Parrot, I, I'm I'm very excited to see Parrot, and I'm excited to see what Parrot is next year. Say what you want about uh, Becton performing great, but this was a fear that I had going into the draft. Becton's size. Now I don't know if any of his injuries are due to just him being massive and him just being huge and just being out there for so many snaps and the pace of the NFL. But this is, say what you want about Beckton performing great and Thomas not performing great to start the season. Thomas has been out in the field and Thomas has grown. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I don't want to get into that, though. Beckton has been a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. Um, and Wills has been consistent all year. So um, I'm not even like, this isn't like a victory lap by me, you know. It will be a victory um, lap <clears throat> by me. How about that? Okay, okay. Um, Chris Mickle said in, in the chat, he makes a great point. If Chase Young had a good game, it would have been insufferable. Oh my gosh, it would have been brutal. It would have been brutal. I guess we did win the Chase Young Bowl. How about that? We we got the we got to have Daniel Jones five touchdowns, a game winner over Landon Collins, and we guy got the guy that shuts down the guy. There you go. How about that? There you go. Um, why is it that Washington fans work their way into Giants fans' mentions more than any other fan base in the NFC East? There's this one, and he looks. He looks stupid, and I maybe I could find him, but he pisses me off. Like he is a flat out troll, and I I just want to punch this dude. I shouldn't say that after the last episode. I kind of gave myself a bad rep, but he got these dumb glasses. Like he looks like he's straight out of Harry Potter. The guy looks like he's straight out of Harry Potter. Wow, you know who I'm talking about? He's so annoying. Does he have orange hair? Kind of. Hold on. I'm, I'm going to find it. I don't, I don't know. I've never, never seen it. Not familiar. It's Andrew Live. Live your life. This guy. Wow, we're just, we're just exposing him. Oh, I don't care. He does have Harry Potter glasses. He does not look like the orange-haired man. This guy talks so much trash. Good for him. Knock him out. And he just lies too. That's the part that I, I can't believe we're doing this. Um, what? How did we get off on this? Washington fans are in our mentions, and Giants fans mentions more. Literally, the Washington football team, their actual account, tweeted at our friend of the program, Emperor Mera. Like they they called him out on the internet. Like, what are you doing with your life? Uh, good friend Ryan Distier. We have a lot of good friends. We're we're so popular. Ryan Distier is now a social media manager for, for them. So hopefully he cleans them up a little bit. I've never talked with that guy. I don't claim him to be a He's a friend of me. And I'm more friends than, I'm more friends with people than you are. That's true. That's true. 
right. Well, um, I don't even. I know, know exactly where we I are. See, he has like. I know exactly where we are. Where are we? We're we're on Mr. Brownstone. He has two questions: Is Chase Young a bust? Nine and seven, baby. Should have saved all this talk for Damn. that. Damn, we we can say a serious point about Chase Young. There was a there was actually a nice Washington analyst that quote tweeted Bobby's tweet of every single Chase Young Andrew Thomas rep, and he was talking about how Chase Young is relying too much on going to the outside of tackles, um, and not bull rushing enough. He's trying to rely on his speed too much, too much, and not bull rushing guys and utilizing different moves. So. Chase Young is raw, and that's that's kind of when 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 we say Chase Young is raw, that's kind of specifically what we're referring to. Um, and then the second question, Mr. Brownstone, the brain is raw. Yes, is the odds of making the playoffs are greater than knocking Julian's glass out of his hand. So, are you guys ready to win out the season and shock the world? Yes. Why not us? Why not us? Why not us? Why not us? Chase Young is a bust. How about that? Wow. Wow. He should have a little bit more sacks. Should. Yeah. Next question. Entertainer, our guy. That's a friend right there. He cracked me up. He's, I won't say, he's like, I just watched Bobby of Talking Giants video of Andrew Thomas versus Chase Young. And Chase Young is Andrew Thomas's. And then he's like, imagine wanting to tank for a guy who had one sack against a rugby player. In the first game of the season, it has none sense. Wow. What a lose. Like, he was going off on Chase Young. He was cracking me up. Good for him. Good for him. All right, we have enough. We have, we're, we're, we're going. We're running a little long. We got we to get this done. At zero, hot dog zero. Say we beat Philly. Hot dog. Say we beat Philly. Just, just say we do. After the bye, we get back Crowder, McKinney, Lewis, Zimenez, all back. I think we could have a shot at the division. And if we do sneak into the playoffs, it would do wonders for our young team. We wouldn't win, but it would establish a winning culture. So I want to change this question. To, well, it's not even a question. It's just a statement. But he brings up the the thought of like, hey, very soon, if we win this game, we can have back the after the bye week, Xavier McKinney, Tay Crowder, O'Shane Zimenez and Ryan Lewis. I mean, think about how good this defense is and you bring all those guys back. You have Tay Crowder, who is, to me, much better than Downs and Mayo. You have Ryan Lewis, who is our best cornerback, too. Nothing special, but our best cornerback, too. O'Shane Zimenez, who's probably the best pure pass rusher on the team right now. And then Xavier McKinney, whatever he is, whatever role he is, it allows you to do whatever you want with Logan Ryan. That's a defense, dude. That's a defense right there. And like I said, if Jones can light it up, I mean, you would feel really good about this New York Giants team. I know this this sounds so stupid at two and seven, but you would feel really good about it. And, and this this offseason would be so fun. It's like, what do we add to this defense? Because it's not it's not like, can we make this defense good? It's like, what are we adding to this defense to put it over the edge? My ask of the team this year in twenty twenty, and we refer to it on Sunday's pod when Joe McManus uh, tweeted tweeted at me and says. Is this what you meant by playing significant games in the month of November? Not necessarily, but here we are. My main ask of this team heading into this year is give us a reason to watch in the month of October and November. Granted, we didn't have much to watch for in September and October, but thank the NFC East as to a reason why we may have a reason to watch in November. And that is what we asked. And I think getting that valuable experience for Daniel Jones, and I even just think for for Joe Judge, 
for Joe Judge as a head coach and how he is going to lead this team because coordinators are going to come and go. Coordinators are going to come and go. There's a chance Jason... Hey, Jason Garrett, hope you get hired by the Jets, buddy. Um, Patrick Graham, he may be gone within the next few years because of how impressive he is. So guys are going to come and go. But how can Joe Judge be a leader of men? And how can he lead a team in the months of November, December when they're playing important games? That's kind of like what we want. And that experience is totally invaluable. So I agree, hot dog. I, I agree with your statement. It could be huge for this oh, team. No. Could be huge for this team. All right. Next question. Uh, no. Enter name here. At enter name here 33. Do you think Logan Ryan is in the team's long-term plans when Xavier McKinney gets healthy? Would you be down to sign him to a three-year deal? Let's say seven to eight mil per year. Yes. It would it would have to be the third year couldn't be guaranteed because he will be 30 when the season's over. Oh. The third year would have to be basically like you know an essential essentially an option year with that you know essentially a team option you know, like the way Golden Tate's contract is basically set up because he is a DB DBs do struggle but now that he's playing safety you feel a lot better than him playing true corner but yeah and I'll, honestly I do need to look at the cap and I did a Kevin Zeitler appreciation post today and then people are like well with the cap space I'm like yeah that makes sense because um, it's like if I want to bring back Leonard Williams Dalvin Tomlinson. <laughs> You know, Logan Ryan, Nate Solder and will then be go coming sign back. a wide receiver. It, it might be impossible, you know. Um, but obviously, you know, we're going to cut Tate. Um, might move on from. I don't. I, well, they'll they'll figure out a way to do what they want. Um, but yeah, I I would not be opposed to bringing him back for that contract. Nate Solder will be coming back as well. Um, yeah. At first, I thought Solder was just going to come back because it's not like it's mostly like guaranteed cap, but you only save like six mil. But I do think they're going to be like, well, what's the point of bringing? Like, might as well just save the six mil, even if we're eating like fourteen of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's not an Olivier Vernon trade, a Beckham trade, or anything, or a Janoris Jenkins, or DeAndre Baker, et cetera, et cetera. There's none of. There's going to be none of that eating at the dead cap this offseason. So might as well make Nate, might as well make Nate Solder the big cap casualty, or they just could keep him as a swing tackle. Yeah. How about that? Um, <laughs> Start parrot start twenty million dollars swing tackle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, baby, Joe Judge. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a. I love people. Some people have been like, all right, we move parrot to guard, Thomas to guard, Solder at tackle, and draft Panesul. How about that? It's amazing how Logan Ryan's numbers look so much better now that he's playing safety as opposed to slot corner. Um, his average depth of target is six and a half yards, which is pretty cool. Quarterback rating that he's allowed is seventy five point two. Pretty cool stuff. Pretty cool stuff. He's made some good plays on the ball. How many? Pa- He's perfect for Patrick Graham. How many pass deflections? He's perfect for Patrick Graham. How many pass deflections does he have? Pass deflections. He has seven this year. Wow, that's impressive for a safety. Sheesh. It's a perfect player for Patrick yeah. Graham. I love. I it. would be totally I love down. Patrick Graham. Um, enter name here. We have Dennis Celery. It's not a say his last name. Celery. Dennis Celery. Could be a fake name. What do you think? Uh, no. First of all, at Yappy Yappo. 99. What do you think What do you think of the new rule of getting two compensatory picks for developing minority head coaches as head coaches and do you think Patrick Graham will get any type of consideration after the season so we can get the extra draft picks? I don't think that's the sole reason why you should develop minority coaches. Well, as a white guy, no. Um <laughs> obviously want to tread a little lightly on this topic. I'd be interested to see what people think 
privately. Like, like, like I would like to hear what black people think privately of this, not publicly where they feel like, you know, everyone's looking to, you know, woke them to death. But I would like to hear, because I feel like some people would feel like, hey, this is kind of a slap in the face. And like being like, uh, like, and then if they're, un- if they're, if they're not successful, you know, because, you know, most head coaches aren't successful and get fired in a couple of years being like, oh, well, you know, they just did it for the draft picks. I, I just feel like it's a, a slap in the face. I, I, I head coach, the guy, the NFL head coach should be the best person for the job. You know, you shouldn't be doing it to get the, the two extra picks. Um, so that's the way I view it. And then, you know, like I said, if they fail, you can see people throwing that back in their face. Um, so I, I'm not the biggest fan of it. Um, and then also like a re a big reason why that the NFL coaches are mostly white is, well, one, it's usually players who weren't like, like guys who weren't successful in college and wanted to go and coach. But two, you see it. It's a lot of like the QB room and the QB position is historically yeah. white. And that like that QB room where you move up, it's, it's, I mean, it's just what it is. Yeah. Um, but we're, I, I, there was a bunch of black coaches that were fire, fired. In the, I, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to give a strong of opinion on it. Um, but part of me hates it because now we're going to lose Patrick Graham. You're being sarcastic with that, Bobby. I uh, just, just <laughs> Mr. Uh, Chicken in the in the chat. He says I'm black and I hate it. Well, well. Also, so, here, here's the thing. I know. Hey, I have black. For, I we just did the. Well, this black guy hates it, so it you don't know. No, stop. Stop. Let me speak. Stop. Uh, People like are, are, know that we're real and we're not afraid to just, you know, have the tough conversations yeah. and not say stupid. Like people know we're not going to woke them to yeah. death is basically what I'm so, saying. So so here's the thing. I I don't like it, but also, you know, again, I'm not I'm not a part of that, you know, I don't identify as any of, you know, the the ethnicities or any of the ethnicities or races that would be impacted by this. I'm not. Mr. Brownstone as aka J-Rock, he needs to chime in. Uh, yes, yes, he does. Um but I'm not impacted in any way. But I just on the outsider's perspective, I, I don't like it. But also there's a part of me that says I don't think an NFL franchise would mess around with getting compensatory picks at the end of the what is it, the third round? I think it's third round compensatory picks. Yeah. I don't think they're messing around to hire a coach that they genuinely just may not believe in just so they can get a pick at the end of the third round. No, this I is, don't think they would either. This is a coach's league. I don't think league. they would either. This is know? a coaching league, and we are seeing more and more. Art Stapleton just put out a tweet tonight that said, no disrespect to any of the previous regimes that he's been covering. I think particularly you're talking about the Shermer and McAdoo regimes. But this coaching staff just has a different feel. The way that they publicly are talking about how they prepare for every little detail and every little thing is astonishing. So it is clear that this is a coaching league. And I don't think an NFL franchise is just going to hire a guy that they may or may not believe in just because they're going to get those two extra picks at the end of the third round. Um, Don't think that's going to be the process. But at the same time, the optics of it doesn't look great. I will end it with that. Yeah, I mean, I just feel, and like I said, we're two white guys. Um, I feel like I've grown around up around a diverse community for the most of my life. But I, just, I feel like, I feel like this would have, and and you know, Mr. Chicken said I'm not going to use him as my only source. But I just feel like it'd be like offensive, you know, like oh, like like you're, it's like oh, you get a head coach and two picks, and I I don't know. 
Um, you know, it's all, and it's Eric Bieniemy is one that it's also a prop- gets brought up a lot. But it's like, but with Bieniemy, like I see like the other side of that. It's like Matt Nagy was in the same situation, and he's a former quarterback, and like you know what, he hasn't been great in Chicago, even though he did win Coach of the Year the first year, and Bieniemy has never called plays. And he's like a former running back, you know what I'm saying? Like, and so I I understand why Bianami is not like at the top of the list because he's just not calling the plays in Kansas City. So like, I think Bianami get a shot. He was on like my top five list for the Giants last year. Um, but it's like I on from the outside in, I don't know anything about Bianami besides everyone everyone says good things about him. But I saw you know I don't know. It's a this probably a dumb conversation for us. No, if but also if anything. The thing that I don't like is let's just say you have an African-American coach that is successful. Well, then people are, you know, people may turn around and say, oh, it's just because you got those picks. Oh, it's just because, you know, you, you, you were, you were the token, you were the token recipient of this. I hate that. Like it's also a problem, not just of how people perceive it and how people feel about it, but it's also a problem of how people react to a person being successful or a person getting a job. It's like get over it. You did not get the job. So there's also that element of too. But how how do people, meaning white people, how do we react to it? And that's also an issue too. So yeah, I'm not gonna kick and scream about no, it. But no, I mean, no. Uh, like I, if I was in charge of the NFL, it wouldn't be like on my list of things right. to do. I would also let um, people who are impacted by the issue most let them decide what they want to do about it. There was a George Lopez episode about this where he was like got offered the job because they're yes, trying to do more exactly. George Lopez. Everyone used to watch George Lopez love, late on Nick at love night. that show, and I know exactly the episode that you're talking about. Right. All right, next question. Second to last question. F Rona at NY Giants Talk Three. That's my favorite. This is that's my favorite Twitter name. If you're not gonna put like your your face and your name on Twitter, F Rona. I just, I love it because I I agree. Um, not Giants related, but what do you think? Of the job Matt Rule has done in Carolina. Was he amongst your top picks to be our head coach? He's had his team very competitive in nearly every game. So they have been competitive. They are three and six, but they were a team that people looked at to um, like be in, like in tank mode. I will say, I did have like, if you look at my, like my coach want list, I did have Rule as number two, but there was a part of me that quietly like could not stand Matt Rule. Like his, like his coach talk, I was like, that is not going to play with the NFL. It's just not. Like it's it's so lame. Like I just see right through it. Like I would be giggling with him giving speeches in the locker room. I would. Um, but he they I mean they've been a competitive, and I think the biggest thing is Joe Brady being there. that was good. like Joe yeah. Brady was a big reason why I wanted Wink Martindale because there's supposedly like Wink was pay, like if Wink got a head coaching job, Brady was going to be the guy to go with him. Um, so I think Joe Brady might be honestly like the biggest thing. On that, so if you look at my list, it was Wink Martindale and then Matt Rule. But I'll be honest, I was, I was not, I was like, I, I just wasn't a big fan of Rule. Like I, I was willing to try something new, and that was the way I viewed this offseason. That's why I was cool with Rule. I made that rhyme. Um, but I was not. A lot of people were banging on the tail for Rule. I, I was not at all. In fact, I was quietly scared that we were going to get him. Imagine Joe Brady and Patrick Graham. Ah, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> They're throwing the ball deep. 
they're throwing on first down, they're throwing on second down, but they're still finding a way to, no matter what running back is in the backfield, they're finding a way to make him like the best in football. It's crazy. And that roster is not as talented as the Giants roster. I think from top to bottom, it's not. Um, just from an outsider's perspective. Their defense is not good, and Rule, ha- Rule is largely a defensive they coach. Re- they have better receivers. Yeah. Uh, Rule, Rule is, you could argue better quarterback right now with the way Bridgewater's been playing. Yeah, Rule is largely a defensive coach, and their defense has not performed well this year, but it's mainly just J- Joe Brady. The fact that Rule got Joe Brady to come to the NFL and you know got him to um, move up with him, that's the main thing. So um, Yeah, I think Rule without Brady. Like, if R- Rule with Jason Garrett <laughs> – I feel like is a uh, is is they're bad winless. Yes. Uh, so um, final question. This is from Chris in the Patreon chat, most likely. If you had to fight any current or former giant inside a little Caesars, who would you be? Who would it be, and why? For him, it's Matt Dodge. This little Caesars thing is really coming back to bite me. Um, and I actually posted the video Bagel Boss because that's such a funny video. Like when you look back at Bagel Boss, and then I saw that he had a stroke and I felt bad. Can we make a shirt if you, if, that says Bobby fights, Bobby fought me in Little Caesars? <laughs> that would be a funny shirt. I fought Bobby in Little Caesars. <laughs> uh, maybe we should do a live show out of Little Caesars. And then people were getting on me. And as soon as I said it, I was like, oh, people are going to get on me. Like, that's what you get for going to Little Caesars. But. My my defense of that is it was for a church event trying to feed a bunch of kids, 40 people. Like, Little Caesars is the best place to feed 40 people. Sorry. I've never been to um, a Little Caesars. Never in my life. $5 hot and ready. It's perfect, it's perfect for a big group. Um, <laughs> but um, player I would fight um, in a Little Caesars. I'm trying to think. Um, no former offensive lineman. No former defensive lineman. Maybe Landon Collins. Yeah. Landon just runs his mouth so much. And he's like, like, and, and him like saying, oh, I'll, I'll, you know, throw the ball near Gettleman and I'll, you know, lay him out. And the, you know, pull, yanking Caden Smith down. So Landon, Land, I, I'll go Landon Collins. I'd fight Curtis Riley. I knew you. I was gonna. I saved Curtis Riley for you. How about that? How about a nice co-host? Thank I you. Because he, uh, he called me a fat boy online. Yeah, and if you won, you could just stand over him, and then dump milk on him. Yeah, I never, I never, I, I'm not gonna let Curtis Riley decide the the Drink fate the of the fate of my life. Which I get enough Ajita when I have too much dairy intake anyway. Um, so let alone drinking, I would die. I would actually die. Um, I'd pass another kidney stone. Oh, I had my kidney stone appointment today. Um, I'm getting an ultra. Who is one person on the Giants you would like to fight with you? At a little Caesars. Mm. Orleans, Orleans Darkwa. I mean, that. No, current giant. Oh, current giant. Um, Shane Lemieux. I can just rest in his hair. Shane Lemieux and Nick Gates, either one. I can just, like, curl up in their hair and then they can fight for me. Nick Gates would be a good one because I know Nick Gates is down. I know Nick Gates is down to fight. I, I just do. But my answer, Jabril. I, I love Jabril Peppers. He's. Honestly, those two players, and maybe it's just their personalities, Nick Gates and Jabril Peppers are like my favorite players on the Giants. I hate like, you Jabril. Know, I, I don't have I don't have like favorite players at this point of my you know life. Um, you know, once Eli goes, like I don't have a favorite player. But the guys I root for, 
I mean, Nick Gates, Nick Gates, and Jabril Peppers are probably my two favorite, just favorite players on the team. If we extend Leonard Williams, I'm going to get a Leonard Williams jersey. He's another guy that I can just hide in his hair. Um, I can't. I can never. Leonard's not a fighter, though. I can never love Jabril because he destroyed St. Peter's Prep. I watched him in high school. I watched him in high school. The words that I yelled at him and the names that I called him and the things that I said that I was like, if I, I, I used to say in high school. <laughs> I would like to fight Eli Apple. If I, I used to say in high school, if I could put a helmet and pads on, I would run him the F over. I, I would say these things. <laughs> Like I actually could. <laughs> uh, I just hated him so much. Yeah, yeah. I, I would like to fight Eli Apple. That'd be a fun one to fight. Um, yeah, Jabril. Jabril would be fun though. Jabril's a rapper. Um, we should promote his music, and then he would be very much on, on and down to come on the show with us. Maybe I don't think his maybe. music is very good though. I mean, I've never even heard of it, so. There, there must um, be a reason why. Anything, anybody else we want to fight or, or fight with us? I know people are bringing up Brandon Jacobs. I mean, that was one of the big reasons I had Brandon Jacobs in my crew for our quarantine crew. Hmm. My quarantine crew was <laughs> Jacob. We, we did we did five right for our quarantine crew. Yes. Yeah, Jacobs, Shockey, and Plax. Those are some fighters. DeAndre Baker, who literally. <laughs> I had the on. We don't talk about enough how I had DeAndre Baker in my quarantine crew before anything went yeah. down, and I was like, I just know I'd get along with him. And it turns out he's a violent criminal. And then, and then Daniel Jones. I I said Daniel Jones so I wouldn't be the whitest person in the group. Daniel Jones has been growing a little bit of a chin strap, and he's wearing the suit and tie. I mean, he he's he's making me feel some type of way. He's a good looking man. He's that a he's an underrated good looking man. Okay. He doesn't get enough That's credit. I actually, you know how I took a picture with him? I met him once because um, I was a member of the Marcus Golden family for one evening in the summer of 2019. I met him. I took a picture with him. And my friends from college, some girls who are friends, saw those pictures and were like, oh, who's your friend? He's very attractive. Should have said, um, I don't know. I don't even know. Where I told I'm him. It's, I told him it's the fran- it's it's the quarterback of the Giants franchise. That's why I said it's, it's my franchise quarterback. He's my friend. That's why I said. I like that. I met his mom. All right, that's. Huh? I think I met his mom too. Mom, very very intimidating woman. Blonde hair, tall, very intimidating woman. That's me, tall tall blonde hair. <laughs> All right, that's a that's an episode. We appreciate you guys. Please leave a rating and review if you have listened this far into the podcast. Would really appreciate that. We'll be back Friday with our Eagles preview. Going to kill these Eagles. Going to kill these freaking Eagles. We appreciate you guys. Until then, let's go Big Blue. Blue.